It took me three months to get to my first deal and I made 9,550. It's conversations and offers. One conversations with, with of course, distressed property owners and two conversations with other movers and shakers in your market. And I told him, Dave, do you realize you just made $2,000 by asking a basic question? I mean, that's a family trip to Disney World. The Deal Machine REI Podcast. Everything you need to know to get started in real estate investing. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Deal Machine Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you take the steps you need to do to quit your job, get your first wholesale deal, and build a business that lets you live life on your own terms. And this episode is for those who have actually started to get excited, but then kind of fallen off the wagon and given up hope. If that's you, you're going to learn a lot from Jared Frankham who's got a strong track record for finding creative ways to get the most value out of any real estate transaction. He began his career in 2019. He's flipped, wholesaled, and held on to dozens of properties across several markets in the United States. Jared is passionate about helping people achieve the same success that he's had through real estate investing. And when he's not working on a deal or helping someone work on their own deal, he enjoys barbecuing. He actually won first place in a highly competitive barbecue cook-off or racing his Mach 1 that he bought from cash from a real estate transaction. So I can't wait to hear about that. And he also loves spending time in Brazil, volunteering his time and talents in ministry. And so Jared, thank you so much for coming on today. I know you've done dozens and dozens of wholesale deals. And to start things off, I mean, for somebody that's done that many deals, it's hard to imagine not having done a deal. But can you tell mm -hmm. us about that first one and yeah, what so, through your mind? So we all were at the spot where we didn't do any deals. And I remember that very vividly. And thanks, David, for having me on. Um, so I, I just knew I wanted to be in real estate some way, shape, or form. This is 2019. I had just moved back. To America, I was living in Brazil and I had spent literally like my last dollars to buy a plane ticket to come back to America. And I knew real estate's got to be the future. I wanted to do it some way, some shape or form. And I didn't know what I was doing other than maybe if I, if I want to do this, how about I just drive around and look for houses? I don't know. Just good to know the market. I don't know what I'm doing. And that's what I did. I just started, I, I pulled up a, a spreadsheet on, lap, on my laptop and had it in the passenger seat. And I would just write down addresses. Actually, it was this book right here. Literally this book. I would uh, write down addresses in this book and uh, the stuff that was just beat up. And then I would type it once I got to a stopping point. Like literally just the, I would write down addresses just like That's that. Sweet. I love that you have the actual book. I did too. Yeah. You're holding yeah. up the camera. Yeah, the, the book. I mean, here's one of my first deals. I even circled it as the address and I wrote deal. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was this was it. This was my CRM, which is a, a database that you just keep all of your uh, leads in. But I, I didn't have money for any of that fancy stuff. I just had a notebook, and I would uh, just drive around and look for beat up houses, and like I would the, write. Uh, that's like the secret playbook off of the Waterboy. Yeah, and by the way, I didn't. But this is before I even knew what wholesaling was. I didn't know about Deal Machine. I didn't know about any software. I didn't know anything. I just figured, let's just get into it. Yeah. All right. So you said there's a place in time where everybody had done no deals, which is mm -hmm. true. <laughs> yep. 
But why were you so strongly convicted after living in Brazil that you needed to do real estate investing? Yeah, so I uh, so I've got a degree in mechanical engineering, and my last semester of college, I had an internship, and I was just doing engineering work at the desk, just looking for something to listen to, and I stum- I don't know how, but stumbled across an audiobook of Rich Dad Poor Dad. And it literally broke my brain chemistry. I, I listened to it for over two or three days at work. And then when I finished it, I stood up and had goosebumps across both arms. And just, no, I, I realized I'm in the wrong industry. I have got to get out. Start studying real estate. So I would start to buy books. I would go to Bigger Pockets podcast, just listen to stuff and start absorbing it. And it just seems so big and so scary, so far away. Like, no, that's for other people to do. I'm, you know, I grew up in a blue collar, low income family. This is not. But I wanted to do it, and I just started absorbing it as much as I could. And then, long story short, I ended up going to do some ministry in Brazil for a while. And then once I finished, all right, now I've been studying this real estate stuff for a while. How about I just go do it? Enough reading and enough theory. Just go do it. Right. Such a hard step to take because it seems like I agree. endless amounts of things that you might encounter and you might not know the answer to. Right. And I think that's because we we always see, we seem to want to do things perfectly and do it right and not mess up or whatever. But education isn't from studying and knowing the theory like like in a- academia in, in the business world, the real world, your your action plus experience makes at your education. So if you make mistakes or do, or make some process or, or take some steps, then you'll learn something, but just absorbing information won't do it. And so my, my first step, I literally had no clue what I was doing, but start writing ad or writing down addresses of houses that looked worse than the other ones. Cause I figured, Hey, they'll probably want to sell at a discount or I could get them cheaper. So tell us about how much did you make on that first deal? How long did it take you to walk us through yeah, that? It took me three months, and I remember working about three hours a day. I wasn't crazy. I didn't want to burn myself out. I said, look, this is a new thing. I don't want to get anxious about it. Uh, just go for you – drive around for a couple hours, make some or, – or, and I would handwrite letters. I would I – would, uh, anyway, I figured out how to eat on $25 a week, chicken, broccoli, and, and brown rice at, twice a day. And so I could save a little bit of money to buy stamps and envelopes. And I would come back and write handwrite addresses down on envelopes and just a simple letter. I love your house. Uh, my name is Jared. I can buy houses. You know, they're te- with we, like, we can solve problems like tax or uh, divorce or bad condition or foreclosure. I just wrote that down. Give me a call or here's my email. It's something real simple. I put it in an envelope and sent it to the owner. And I did that for about three months. And I remember the first time I got a phone call, I'm like, holy smokes. I, <laughs> I remember when I first got, got a call off of a letter, I uh, was ecstatic. Just someone called me. At least this marketing thing works. It's not just a bunch of BS. Like, the, the, you know, it's real. The books you're talking about. And it's, anyway, it took me three months to get to my first deal. And I made 9550 on the first deal. And by the way. 550 All right. Yes. And by that point, I had never seen more than two grand to my name ever in my life. I thought I was the king. Like, no, no joke. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you were. Yeah, it was awesome. Volunteering. Yeah, yeah, I I understand. That's a lot of money. (laughs) 
It is. So how much, how many letters and stuff did you send off at that point, three months into your real estate journey? I don't know. I was probably sending, I wish I still had, I I wrote it down on a calendar every week on a paper calendar. I, I probably sent somewhere 300 to 500 a month. I did my, I can tell you this. I did f- four deals off of my first 500 pins on deal or on on my my driving, no, which I thought was crazy. my notepad yeah. machine. Yeah. Okay. okay. And they were they were like it was the worst of the worst. I'm talking. Here's what I would pin. So if you want some sauce, here it is. Here's what I would pin at that that stage when I was my expenses. I had to keep them super low. I would only pin houses that had no cars in the driveway. There couldn't be electricity on. It had to be overgrown grass or busted windows or a vacant tag on the door or code violation notice on the door or had to have like the roof falling off. It had to be the worst of the worst of the absolute worst for me to pin it. Now I've I've adjusted my criteria to open it up a little bit. But at that stage, I was really only going the the scary nightmare houses. Gotcha. And what was the reason that particular homeowner wanted to sell? Do you remember? Yes. And so I've actually, um, he has multiple properties and he reaches out to me every time that he wants to sell one. So that one was a triplex and he had had it for years and didn't take care of it and just wanted it, wanted it gone. He couldn't get the rent he wanted. I mean, the house was really, or all three units really beat up. And it really needed a lot of love. And so for him just to walk away from it, he also owned a restaurant, uh, a really awesome Thai restaurant here in town. But uh, he owned that and it just wasn't performing for him. And what what was a limiting belief for me, and it was I thought, why would other investors sell to me? That doesn't make any sense. They're trying to get the most. But sometimes it just doesn't fit what they want to do. And it's easier to just let it go than it is for them to put all the work to fix it up, get the mo- best price out of it, to do all the marketing, all the paperwork, everything. So for him, it was it was a great solution. Um, so even to this day, we'll still talk anytime he wants to sell something. But it, did, did he know that you were going to be wholesaling the property and not buying it yourself? So no, because at the time, I didn't even know what wholesaling was. I just knew I needed to get... A house under contract. And and this was one of the things where I just took a scary, insane step and I'll figure it out after. I just knew, well, the way to do this is to do contracts. So how about I just fill out a purchase agreement and let's just see what happens. And I had uh, some local mentors. There was a, the local real estate investment association, the RIA, and I would go to those. And so I had a couple of people that I was aware of who are in the industry and they would, I would show up to these and I would just be like a deer in the headlights, just wide-eyed and have no clue what I'm doing there, but they would pass me their business cards. And so I would call a couple of them, hey, I found this house. I just put it under contract. What do I do? And so I initially, I, I, a wholesaler wasn't my initial focus. And even back then, wholesaling isn't as big and well-known as it is now, I'd say. But um, I just knew I wanted to profit. I want to own properties. I want to be in the real estate game. And I kind of discovered, I stumbled into wholesaling kind of through that transaction and a few others. But uh, so, no, I didn't tell the homeowner at the time, but I did say that I'm working with some other people who are helping me and which was the case. So I was really trying to buy it myself at first, but I hadn't, I had 
no cash, not to even do any maintenance. I had no credit, no nothing. Just I was fresh off the boat. I might as well have been an immigrant. So yeah, that was, that was the, the strategy I took. Well, since I can't keep it, how about you can just profit and sell it to someone? And that's what I did. Mm -hmm. How did you find your first buyer? He is the guy that ran that RIA. Oh, nice. 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 You found your buyer at the investor association. Yeah. Yep. In fact, well, so I did it. I guessed and I showed him, I said, Hey, here's the deal I got. And he said, Jared, I can't buy at this price. And I don't remember the exact prices, but it was a, let's just say it was a hundred thousand dollar property fixed up. I think I put it under contract at 40 and he comes back to me and says, Jared, I have to be at 30. Well, 30 was where I had to be to make any profit. So I, my buyer, he goes, well, Jared, here's what I'll do. He ended up doing a full inspection on it had an inspector come out and look at it. And I took that inspection and showed he, that house had like car spare tire jacks holding up the foundation and stuff. And it was bad. And I showed it to the buyer and he said, Oh wow, Jared, it's worse. And I thought, you know what, if we, we'll drop the price and I see what you're talking about. So I knew my buyer told me where he needed to be at on it. I was already in a contract and I went back to the seller and said, Hey, after us looking at it, there's, we need to make some adjustments. And he, I, can't I met with him and his Carjack, a uh, carjack, not a house yeah. jack, but a carjack. Not a house. It was, it was, you know, one of the little scissor lift carjacks that you have in your your trunk, <laughs> holding up the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how'd you estimate what that would even cost? You're you're saying that you got the feedback from the buyer and then you renegotiated with the seller. Well, so I, I didn't know what it cost. And at the time I wasn't a flipper. I didn't know anything about renovating houses other than I just wanted to do it. But I had heard on bigger pockets, just listening through podcasts that, you know, an average assignment fee or whatever is five to 10 grand. Well, I was all, well, I want to shoot for the moon and try to make 10 grand. And so I just dropped the price 10 and that's, that was literally it. There was no formula. There was no, you know, thinking about how to justify it. It was so simple. Well, I want to try to make this. So let me see if I can get the price there. And I would have been happy anywhere in between just for the proof of concept, but I shot for it and he took it. Gotcha. Well, there you go. And who Mm -hmm. would have, you thunk you couldn't have done that without knowing every single part of the answer before you started. Right. And that's that's the thing. If I, if I waited until I knew everything, I would never have done that deal. Never have done that. So let me ask you this. Okay. So, Deal one, you fumbled your way through it. Many of the people that are listening may have deal one done, maybe looking at deal two. Can you give us a quick, what was deal two like? Was it better? Was it, was there still some things that was a struggle? No, deal two was the fastest deal I have ever done, even to this day. Um, It was a house I found driving around. It had caught fire. And this is still before I had any deal machine or any cool software, but I, uh, there was a website called truepeoplesearch.com. I tried to find the owner. No numbers worked, nothing. But what I did was I looked up, uh, siblings. So I looked up, I found the owner. Let's just, I don't remember his name. Let's just say his Mike. I think his name was Mike, but Mike. And then he had a brother, Steve. Well, I looked up Steve's phone number and found it online and then. Oh yeah, that I called him and oh yeah, that's my brother's Mike. Here's his phone number. He's wanting to get rid of it. I think I found that house on a Thursday, called the owner, went out to see it, 
put on a contract Friday and I had it sold. And back then the title companies were fast. I think it closed within like three days, made 25 grand. That was the fastest deal I've or, by far. And, and it was awesome. And I thought, holy cow, this is working. Deal three, I made 15. Deal four, I made a 47. And then it just, it's been going since. That's amazing. So are you still doing just deals solo or does it, have you evolved it? Do you have VAs and TCs and what's it mm-hmm. look like? Yeah. So I've, uh, I, it, my business has expanded and, and shifted you know, over time. Now I've got VAs doing a lot of the, the admin stuff and they're doing cold calling for me and text messaging for me. And, uh, I had an acquisitions guy, but he, he just recently started his own business. He's seen how good it is and now he's, he's gone off on his own. So I'd say he graduated. I don't say he quit, but he graduated. So he's, he's doing his own thing. And, uh, so yeah, I've, I've definitely got people helping me. And that was a hard challenge at first. I just didn't know how to trust someone living in the Philippines to do my stuff, but they're actually really good. Really, really good. David, you had actually told me, I don't, you probably don't even remember this, but you had actually told me to uh, get a VA to import all my stuff in the deal machine because I was using a different software and I was, I was manually doing it one at a time. And I thought, man, I'm not ready for VAs or whatever. Well, you're welcome. But you owe me, Jared. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you owe me. Please open up your podcast app right now and leave us a review and let us know what you thought of this episode. It means so much because the reviews help us get in front of more people. And the more people we can get in front of, the more we can help them achieve financial freedom. And we also get more energy to put more content out like this to help you. So by leaving us a review, it will give you more content to come to help you along in your journey. Thank you so much. All right. So... You made ninety five hundred bucks. Uh, sorry, nine five five zero on that first deal. What did you do with that money? Um, this was in twenty nineteen, so you got to really reach back in the back of your brain there. I, I knew that I wanted to celebrate, but I didn't blow it. I, I bought something that was cool. I, I bought a. Nope. I know what I did. I started because at the time I had nothing. Like, like I got sold when I moved to Brazil, I sold everything. So I started buying stuff for like when I eventually wanted to move into a house. So I started buying like a couch and a TV and fridge and washer and dryer. Like those are the things I would start spending my money on at first. And I was excited because I'll finally be a, you know, own my own stuff and not just, you know, jump from apartment to apartment kind of thing. So that's what I did. And then I put, I slammed the rest of it back into marketing. And I finally could like eat better than chicken, rice, and broccoli every day. Right. Well, that's a healthy diet. Hey, well, I mean, healthy, yeah. I was, I I'm was a billionaire, a and I eat chicken, rice, and broccoli every day. Yep. I'm just kidding. I'm not a billionaire, but you know, what I'm saying, <laughs> what's uh that that's so what 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 do you eat now though? What what does a king like yourself eat? <laughs> well, it's funny. I still like chicken, rice, and broccoli. Yeah, but, me too. Uh, yeah, I um. I really like barbecuing, so I'll make. I'll oh, that's right, dude! We got to talk about that. So what What was this highly competitive barbecue competition? <laughs> what did so? You- okay, this was a this was kind of a fluke thing. A buddy of mine, we we have a West Texas has a a barbecue cook off, and I didn't know anything about it. I just like cooking, but he wanted to promote his marketing business there. He had a big tent and everything. Hey, Jared, can you come help me cook? Because he knows I like to cook. And, sure, I'll go help you. Whatever, that's fine. And uh, come to find out, there's hundreds of teams. There was like 5,000 people at this event. 
And we just over were the no name nobody's first year rookies showing up, and brisket was the big the big grand trophy of them all. And when it came time to to submit our stuff, we sent it off. Whatever, we're just having a good time, just cooking overnight. And they have everyone show up for the awards, and I'm like, man, we don't need to be here for this. We're not, you know, serious about whatever. And sure enough, they call us for the first place. This was just this past year for brisket cook off of. of that's the granddaddy trophy to have. And uh, anyway, it was, it was pretty cool. I didn't realize that my brisket was that good. I just like cooking. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, congratulations on winning yeah. this highly competitive brisket cooking. And I, I'm, I'm glad that you enjoy eating that too. It sounds tasty. Yeah. More flavor than chicken and rice. Yes, for sure. I mean, I'll still, I still eat a lot of chicken and rice. But now I don't, I don't eat it because that's the only thing I can afford. I think now I eat it because it's a... Uh, it's good You've for health and for the future. And, yeah, and that's that's probably a big shift that's happened once you did more than one deal, right? Like, oh, David, I, I tell you, yes. Let's talk about that because we spent a lot of time diving into the first deal, which I'm a fan of. I'm a huge fan of. What was the? What did it take to kind of make this actually a life changing thing for you? Well, seeing that it can be done was colossal. Seeing that it can be done. Look, just follow these basic steps. There, it's not difficult. We just our emotion gets difficult and and can and slow us down. But um, after doing a, a handful of deals, and then I remember in 2020, I had spoken with the church about wanting to do real estate full time and just depend on that, and that was a big commitment. But I'd seen it done from other people, and of course, it's worked for me. I'm closing deals, and let's just try it. If it fails, so what? I'll just. It doesn't matter. I can always go get a job or go back to ministry or whatever. But I've got, I had this burning sensation. I have to try it. So I did. And then it's been going from there. The key is, the key is being consistent with it. If you find, once you find what works, don't change it. Just keep doing it. Double down on it and then build your network. The more people that you talk to, the the look of you you'll get. It's conversations and offers. One conversations with with of course distressed property owners, and two conversations with other movers and shakers in your market. Now the it's it's grown so much. The the leader of a different RIA in town. We have a couple, of, but the leader of that other RIA is now my business partner. We buy and he manages. He's the largest property manager in where I live, and now we we buy properties together. I, I find them, I will put them in our contract, and he'll take care of the rest going forward. And we're building this this empire of properties, doing it that way. And that only happened because he was one of my top buyers. I would sell probably two out of five deals to him, and uh, then it just it, our relationship grew and grew, and, and things doors will open the more consistent you stay with it. And that's huge. Mindset shift is massive, David. Absolutely. Yes. Talking about mindset, I know that you said previously you had eight contracts fall out because of ego. You want to tell me about that? I'm kind of- yes. So I was getting a little too big for my britches. I thought I was the God's greatest gift to wholesaling there for a little bit. And by the way, I was still like just doing nothing in the grand scheme of what's possible, but I really prided myself on something so stupid. I had never put any earnest money down, and I just didn't want to do it. I was like, no, I've done all these deals. I don't put earnest money. I just thought I was trying to make that my policy. Well, I ended up speaking to some some sellers that were related to realtors, and they just – they know what they – they know um, what's more or less 
standard. And at the time, I just didn't care. And once I was saying stuff like that, like, this guy sounds a little fishy. And I totally could have. But a number of things like that happened. I didn't do enough due diligence. I just started locking stuff up at whatever price and just I'll figure it out. Or I, uh, a number of them, just I didn't want to put earnest money down or I didn't, I didn't hustle to sell them. How much money do you think those eight contracts could have represented for you? Three of three or four of them were 30K deals a piece. Oh, wow. So um, you lost out on like 100 Gs. I, I probably 200 grand for all of it. It would have been oh, insane. Dang. But you know, and, and here's the thing though. Here's the thing is that I, that spiraled me. I, I ended up closing on one out of those nine. One of them, it was a big thing that the, the seller wanted to back out of it. And I ended up having to put a memorandum on it and it just sat for a long time. And the title company ended up selling it over the memorandum. So I guess they, they closed with clouded title, but that's another story for another day. But one of those ended up closing. But here's the thing. And I, I got down. I got pretty depressed after that because I had I didn't spend money ahead of time. But I just was counting on that coming in and just being an incredible amount of money. But what I learned in the business, and, and I'd say it has paid off more than the 200 grand that I would have earned, was don't get too low when it gets low and don't get too high when it's high. Let your business world be even keeled and operate on your procedures and policies, not on stuff like I don't do earnest money. It's something ridiculous like that. That was something I had to learn. And by the way, I, no one in my family had had taught me any business sense or anything. I had to just kind of discover on my own. Um, oh, that's so true, right? You don't want the emotion to rule over your decision making. Yeah. It happened. Mm-hmm. And you lost $200,000. You lost the opportunity. Opportunity. I, in reality, it was never mine to begin with because I, I didn't have everything in place to carry it all the way through. So, look, contracts aren't closed until the check clears. All right. Well, so now, like, what type of earnest money policy do you have? Because it sounds like you sellers ask for it. I'll put 100 bucks, I think, down as just what I write. But if yeah. sellers ask for it, I'll put whatever. I don't care. If I know it's a good deal, especially now that... I'm a little more experienced. I don't mind even it. One, it putting earnest money down causes me to really analyze the deal and make sure that this is going to go through and close because now I've got my own skin in the game and it's just made me a, a sharper, more savvy investor. So to me now it's no fear, no problem at all. If now I buy from wholesalers and I'm the first one, I'll go ahead and put 5k non-refundable, you know, cause I know a lot of cash buyers fight that. But for me, no, if it's a good deal, I'll do it. Yeah. If you want to win deals, do what the, I like to say, shady wholesalers do what they're not doing. They're not yep. putting earnest money deposits. So do it. Put earnest money on it. Put mm -hmm. skin in the game. Prove that you, the number of calls I get from, in, or from sellers who are like, yeah, I had a wholesaler. They backed out of the deal at the last second. I'm like, don't do that. If you want to be good in this game, don't do those things. Like, don't just don't be shady. That that is gold, Ryan. Don't be shady. I mean, the whole golden rule. Like, I know I'm I teach the golden rule to my kids. You know, do to others what you would have them do to you. That has to be consistent as you get older, because every one of us could be the situation could be the other way around. You don't know. Maybe one day we need to sell and we're going to have somebody coming to us wanting to buy it. How would we feel if 
you're saying, I'm not putting nurse money down. I'm not going to do this. Well, then I'm not going to take you very seriously. So yep. my little spiel. Uh, I can't agree more. So Jared, some of the things that real estate's allowed you to do is travel the world. Mm -hmm. um, you said you've actually developed a lot of negotiation skills mm -hmm. um, and then drive dream cars. So tell me about the negotiation skills. Like what's a tip uh, that you could share? Because I feel like this business, it does give you a lot of practice and builds that up, but it, it also kind of hinges on that, right? Like, like that's like one of the biggest variables in getting a deal or not. It's the, I mean, it's the variable, what you, it's, you get what you ask for, not what you deserve type thing. And, but it translates. So as we're talking with sellers about these, you know, five, six figure deals regularly, we get good at, we have to buy. Someone told me this and I, it's really latched onto me. If your stomach isn't churning whenever you make your offer because it's so low, you think they're going to punch you in the face, then you're offering too much. So you have to get comfortable with that. And with, with anything else in life, you can use similar approach to negotiating on things and it really helps get what you're after. And, and I've got a little bit of a belief that, um, my, my purpose on the earth is more than just myself. And so I should be the most effective human being that I can. And so part of that is even with, with when I'm buying anything, I'll negotiate anything, even at the store or whatever, just not, not out of, um, like I have to get a dollar off of something. I mean, it's not like that, but it's, it's, I want to keep my skills sharp at what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So I think it just translates to so many things. If you're buying stuff on Facebook marketplace to, or whatever, I, I just, there's so many op opportunities to make. I, I told one of my sales guy, this, he was asking me about pricing and I said, Hey, he, he shot off what he could do. And I said, Hey, drop it two grand. And he, he did it. He chopped his offer by two grand before he sent it off to the seller, and they took it. And I told him, Dave, do you realize you just made $2,000 by asking a basic question? You see how valuable it is just to ask? So he created $2,000. Cody Hoffine said one time that he did the same thing. That's where I got that from. He did the same thing, and uh, it was five grand he negotiated off the deal. I mean, that's a family trip to Disney World. You know what I mean? Like that's that's life changing amount of money on just a simple question. Now compound that. Start putting yourself put yourself into scenarios where you can ask those questions. Boom, 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 boom. Time after time, and this game will just pay you over and over and over and over again. Oh yeah, and 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 you dropped it two thousand by just using a skill, which didn't cost you anything. And right, uh, I, I read uh, never split the difference, and I have yep. a good friend. Michael Lineman, he's not in real estate, but he's gotten into negotiating as well. And uh, he did an experiment that if you sometimes you just have to ask. And so uh, he was at a restaurant and he just told the waitress, he's like, hey, I'm doing this uh, experiment where sometimes you just have to ask for what you want. And I'm wondering if it's going to work. So I was wondering if we could have a free dessert. And I think she, you know, he, she thought it was kind of like, cute and she gave us free dessert so i thought that was a great example though right because because sometimes the sellers of of a home will go with somebody that they even like more right yes um, versus price yeah, yes so it, like it doesn't even have to make sense sometimes when you're asking for certain things mm -hmm. but it can really bring a lot of value by asking yeah david the last time i was in brazil i did the same thing i just at, goofing around just asked the waitress hey can we get 
discount on this because we showed up late or something. She comped it 50% for the whole table. Just because I asked. I mean, I was just being silly, right? But you don't know what you, if you don't take your shot. So, just yeah. Anyway, what's it's, the it's worst really that cool. can happen? If you ask a question, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. They I like what Alex they know. That's the worst possible outcome is they're like, no. That's it. <laughs> I like what Alex Hormozzi says. He says sales is like rolling a pair of dice. And every time that you roll two sixes, it's a sale. Or you, you, every other time, it's just it's a it's a no. So there's no real negative outcome. So, but you have every upside of earning. So the more opportunities or the more chances that you roll for a, po- a possibility, then you will make more. So just keep shooting. Jared, so I, I know that real estate's also allowed you to drive your dream car, and you love tracking your Mustang. Why mm-hmm. did you get into that? How did you get into that? Okay, so. Um, I know we all got to be fast, but the Mach 1 Mustang, my dad had a 69 and a 70 Mustang Mach 1 back in high school. And he had pictures and I always thought they were real cool. And in high school, I was trying to buy a 69 or 70 Mach 1 and couldn't ever find one, couldn't ever find one, couldn't ever find one. And, uh, and then 20, 2021, um, uh, they, in 21, they came out with a new Mach 1 Mustang. I thought, man, I've got to get this car some way, some shape, form, or fashion, but they're a $70,000 car. And uh, I went to go test drive one, and the salesman goes, hey, Jared, look, just please just make an order. It's not going to cost you anything. We actually would prefer you cancel because then we can mark it up and sell it for more. But just put an order in, and uh, if you don't take it, that's fine. But just do it. I thought, man, whatever. But I'll do it. Sure. Why not? I'll just go put an order in. So I I did checked all the boxes, put every bell and whistle and option you could possibly get on the car, just as if it was going to be my dream car. And that was in April of 21. No, 22. Yeah. April of 22. And then May, May of 22, I had two houses. I still own these. I, I bought them from a doctor who knew what he wanted. He knew they'd be worth more, but he goes, look, I know they need work. I know that whatever I want 250 for them. They're worth 440 fixed up. And I put probably 15 into total into both. I was able to refinance. and I pulled out $70,000 literally cat. I mean, pulled out $75,000 just from buying these two houses. Um, so I call it my free car because it, it didn't feel like I had to save up and build $70,000 and then go buy this Mustang cash. I was able just to find in my pipeline two houses that had that kind of spread and then just shifted it over. And just basically, I just thought of it as the Mustang came with the deal. And it's just crazy that that level of – and that's small. By the way, there are deals far larger than that that happen. I'm, I'm sure you know. But far larger than seventy grand, and but it just it worked, and to me that was nuts. I thought my first deal of making ninety five hundred was crazy, and then forty seven on a wholesale deal was crazy, and then cash out refining on a house that I and I know that's a fancy word, but basically getting money back after buying a house that I didn't put any of my own money into. I got the houses for free and the car. It's crazy, but that those skills came from me being a a, a good wholesaler and knowing my market, knowing what stuff can go for, knowing where I can get prices. 
So it's like you just start this, it starts so small, just start talking to homeowners and then you develop these skills can do really cool stuff. The house I'm in right now, I bought it for 19 grand. It's worth 200 now, but I bought it for 19 and I put, had to put a bunch into it. But anyway, it's just crazy what happens if you just ask. And so for anyone who wants to get started, absolutely just start, find someone who's already doing what you want, what it is that you want to do. And follow the same footsteps. Look, this is what I love about real estate is it's not it's not like gold in a mountain where there's a big rush in the mountain and you got to extract all the gold. And once it's gone, it's gone. Real estate, even the houses today that are being built in 10 years, they're going to be wore out and needs it. Wholesalers are going to be the one to solve it. And they're building houses every day. So it's like imagine a mountain that gets bigger and more gold gets put into it. Whole, real estate is insane. Like the, the, it's not going anywhere. The opportunity is going to be even better as time goes on. And there's more of it. it to me, it's, it, I don't know why everyone doesn't do this. I know everyone can. My dad asks me all the time. He's like, are you going to run out of houses in St. Joe? I mean, after so long, after so many, you're not going to have it. And I'm like, dad, houses don't just stop getting worse. Like it doesn't, something doesn't just happen where it's like, well, we've reached the max of its depreciation. It's no longer going to get any worse. No, literally every single day I find a new house or more in St. Joe, which is a tiny market, but I can continually find new Mm -hmm. deals every week of houses that look distressed. I'm like, man, it's never going to stop. It will all. There will always be a time when there's a distressed property. The opportunity always. will always be there. Even stuff that was flipped. One, of, I made twenty grand off of another burn house from another investor in the market. He just got. He claimed the, the insurance, got insurance money, and didn't want to fix it. He just mail sell it at a discount for cash, whatever. I insurance paid me. I'm good. I don't have to deal with it. Sure, I'll sell it cheap for you. So it was a win-win for him from another investor, like stuff that was already fixed up, caught fire, whatever. And then he sent it to me. I made 20 grand in a week off of it. So again, even your other wholesalers in your market, other investors are not your competition. Collaborate with them. Figure out what they want. If you can bring value to them, you will get paid. That's just how it works. So again, the more conversations you have, the more that you can engage with other people, you will stuff will start flowing your way, and, it, and it'll be more than you can take if if you, if you get serious about it. It really will be like that. Jared, I got to know too. What is this professional fireworks display I've heard you talk about? <laughs> yeah, so I um, in in middle school, I was always real as uh, I was always real excited about fireworks, even just as a kid. But I um, middle school and high school. I started looking into how to build fireworks. I thought they were so cool. I wanted to build them. And my dad, his his big hobby is rocketry. He, he makes his own rocket motors and shoots them up real high. You know, they have the trackers and all that sort of stuff. And he has some chemicals that he does it. And I found some forums and things to build fireworks. And I started making fireworks at home kind of as a just side thing. And then I got uh, really into it, started going to the conventions and things for firework shows and all sorts of that sort of thing. But it just kind of became a hobby. I thought it was real cool to, to turn paper glue and chemicals into, you know, colors and, and sparkles and streamers in the sky. I just thought that's really neat. And just, Dude, it was cool. a fascination. Cool since I was a little kid. You got some <laughs> yeah. Cool I'm a little eccentric, but yeah, I really enjoy it. 
So Jared, to wrap things up, like what would you say is your advice for somebody who's looking for their first deal right now? Yeah, absolutely. The, the number one thing I would say is don't make it harder than it is because it's not. Go look for beat up houses close to you. I even in nice HOA, this house that I bought right here is a nice part of town and it's the only one like it, but it was like, it was the one that needed help. So if you just drive around, even where you're at, you will find houses that need love and have conversations with the owners. And you do that enough times, you will get your first deal. It's not a matter of if you could, or maybe it's not me. It's only for those guys on the internet that talk about it, whatever. I don't care where you are in the U.S., you can do it. You can probably do it out of the U.S. And if you can't do it, hit up Jared Frankham on Instagram. Jared Frankham. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. It's great. Yeah, great. I, I appreciate it, Dave. It's good to talk with you, with you. And you too, Ryan. You too, man. Yeah. You've got so much passion. I know this episode's going to yeah. light somebody on fire in a good way. Not yeah, no, on like a fourth no of July. No pun intended way. on the fireworks, but. You're going to light it up. All right, guys. If you guys like this episode, please drop us a review. It helps us make more content to get you over the edge of financial freedom. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Deal Machine Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please leave us a review and follow along wherever you're listening to your podcasts.